You're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm Royce Hood. Thank you so much for listening. So look, this is going to be a, a little bit different of an episode. I am in the process of reformatting the show to add some new features, some amazing new guests, and really entering into what I would consider to be season two of the show. So stay tuned. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be bringing you a brand new episode. But for now, here are some highlights from some of uh, the last year, as well as some new music, some scratch tracks that I'm working on, and I want to get your feedback on those. So let me know what you think. You can reach out to me, Royce at lawlife.org. That's R-O-Y-C-E at L-A-W-L-I-F-E dot org. Let me know what you think of the music, of the show. I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Truth Culture Life. The sisters have given me permission, by the grace of God, to do a very, very special documentary on the life and legacy of Sister Wilhelmina. As many of you by now have heard, her body was recently discovered after she has been deceased for four years. Her body was discovered to be completely intact. Her body was discovered to be intact. Wow. As soon as the news of this discovery broke, it instantly went viral. When I came here about a week and a half ago, there was only around, I don't know, 50 people, maybe coming and going. And my wife and my children were able to venerate Sister Wilhelmina and able to uh, really spend some intimate time here with the sisters and here on the grounds. Well, just a matter of days later, they're expecting as many as 10,000 people from around the country this weekend. They have, just this morning, I've been, I've been very fortunate to be sleeping on the grounds here in a, in a guest area, uh, separate from where the Abbey is, but it's just so cool to be on the grounds. This morning, before the gates even really were uh, officially open, there was hundreds of people here. There's probably 500 or 1,000 people here now, and we're expecting, again, thousands upon thousands. Yesterday, I met a couple that had driven all the way from Washington State, I've met a young woman just a few minutes ago who does live in Missouri now, but she's from Kenya. And I was asking her, you know, what, what was this like for you? And she said, well, when I heard, I, I had no idea really who she was. And I just, you know, I, I needed this. I needed this grace. I needed, I needed something. And she goes to church all the time. She's a very holy woman. And she, she felt like this was just such a boost and so she went and venerated Sister Wilhelmina. And she said when she actually saw a picture, she didn't even realize Sister Wilhelmina was black until she saw a picture of her. She heard the news that she was an incorruptible in Missouri first. And then when she saw the picture, she was like, wow, you know, God is colorblind, but wow, this is such an important moment for, for me and for, my, and, and for this country and for this world that God is giving us this grace. And so... It's, it's incredible. I met another elderly couple from Seattle that had driven days to get here. And the husband was in a walker and they drove days to come. This world, the enemy in particular, wants to divide us. The enemy wants us to be, to be divided and they, they want us to fight. They want us to be focused on the things that don't matter. The devil wants us to focus on this world. But instead of doing that, 
God every now and then gives us these little graces where we're able to focus on the spirit. We're able to focus on the miracles and the graces in our lives. Finding an incorruptible, the what Mother Abbess joke, she said, you know, there wasn't exactly a Google result when, you know, if you search for what do you do when you find an incorruptible? There wasn't, there wasn't a result. What do you do? In the background, you may hear some subtle music. That is the sisters' music, Advent at Ephesus, which was originally released by De Montfort Music. That music has been playing here around the clock. In addition to that, the pilgrims can come and um, they can hear the sisters as they participate in, 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 in their daily devotions and vespers and rosary and mass. It's just unbelievable. But what do you do when you find an incorruptible? That is a miracle, right? And that's, that's what we're trying to figure out. I think, you know, there's, there's questions and, you know, what, you know, is this a miracle? What is this? That's not the miracle I'm focusing on. The miracle I'm focusing on is Sister Wilhelmina. Her life, her legacy. 70 years old when she decides to create a new order for sisters. To, um, to observe the traditions of the church. To pray for priests. The miracle that I'm witnessing right now are people from all walks of life coming and come, I mean, they're pilgrims coming from around the country to see with their own eyes this, this beautiful moment that is once in a lifetime. There are incorruptibles around the world that you can go and see. They're behind glass, they're behind rope. Sister Wilhelmina's body has been laying in state since they discovered her. Pilgrims are coming and they're very respectfully venerating and kneeling and paying their respects and praying and thanking God for the grace that they're experiencing. And I must tell you, um, things, things here are rapidly changing and they have to. The sisters, their, their cloister deserves respect. It deserves privacy. Their way of life deserves respect and support and privacy. And so I'm asking everybody listening to this, if you haven't come already, you may not be able to come in the same fashion that people have been coming. There's going to be some changes here. I know that firsthand because of all the people and out of respect for Sister Wilhelmina as well, honoring her and honoring her, her life and, and her, her body as well. So um, look, wow. I cannot share all the details that I have witnessed on this program. I have been given rights to do a documentary, which I will be working on probably full time for the next couple of months, however long it takes. This is such an important moment. This is such an important opportunity. When I came the first time and I saw Sister Wilhelmina, I felt this overwhelming sense of that I would somehow be involved in helping to share her story. I had no idea at the time that Sister Wilhelmina had a, a particular devotion to praying for uh, parents and moms who had miscarried babies and for praying for the holy innocence. I had no idea. My wife and I have lost three children. The first child that we lost, Fulton, every single night, Elise would play Advent at Ephesus and other beautiful music by sisters. She wanted 
Fulton, who we knew was not going to survive outside of the womb, she wanted him, in her own words, to recognize the sound of heaven. When I recounted that story to the sisters, I couldn't help but to be choked up. I get choked up now thinking about it. What my wife must have gone through and, and that, that challenge, that pain, that cross. But the peace. We had no idea at that time that several years later, I would be in Gower on site at the Abbey documenting as much as I possibly could with the rinky-dinky tools that I have. A sister yesterday, we were trying to fix a sound system and I was helping and she said, I said, sister, you guys are, you guys are famous. Everybody knows this music. And she said, really? I don't know about these things. I'm just a simple nun. I'm just a simple sister is what she said. A simple sister. When I asked permission to do this, I have crews that I've worked with on different film projects that are scattered around the country. I had no idea if anybody would be available to come help. It was, it's Memorial Day weekend. They said, come on over. Can you come now? <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, I, th I think I need to go. And she said, you need to go. This is so important. So I ran to Best Buy, scrounged together whatever I could in terms of just basic gear. Not prepared. I mean, typically if you're going to be doing a film project, you you know, we get a film crew. We, we hire, I hired, I've worked with all sorts of professionals in these, in these capacities before. When I do my music, I write my music, but I go to a professional studio and I, I bring in professional musicians to help just enhance. But these are just simple sisters. And when we trust the Holy Spirit action plan, God provides. So I'm rambling a bit, but I, I just have to tell you over time, I will tell you more details, intimate details. When the sisters give me permission, much of what I have captured is for them. Everything I capture is theirs. I've told them I am not here for me. I'm not here for anything other than sharing Sister Wilhelmina's story for the benefit of these beautiful, beautiful sisters and for their ministry. The Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, are simple sisters. And so I, I have to just say, uh, on the way over here, the guy that I wanted to use to do drone footage of the crowds, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not available. And I said, as I was driving, I prayed, I said, Lord, if it's your will, we will have a drone. We will have some coverage. As soon as I arrived, the president of Benedictine University happens to be here. And he says, well, we've got a drone. I could send my guy over tomorrow. <laughs> Holy Spirit action plan. If my wife gives me permission, I think at some point I will write a book. I have to check with her because these projects of mine take a lot of time. And by the way, she's at home with six children. So if you're listening to this, please, Keep her in your prayers. <laughs> Holy Spirit action plan. You need a drone. If it's God's will, you'll get a drone. And we got a drone. Not only did we get one drone uh, uh, Friday, I've got another very, very professional film company that reached out and said, listen, we want to come help. We want to donate our time. We do 70 movies a year, but we want to come donate our time to this cause. And we're going to bring a drone if you need it. And we're going to help you uh, get whatever footage you need with our professional gear Hollywood quality gear. I'm using a GoPro. I'm using a HD camcorder. I'm using my iPad, my iPhone. I'm using a little Panasonic. I've got a number of little devices that I get, I scrape together. And they do great for my studio work. And they're going to do great for this because, again, these are simple sisters. So without further ado, again, you're listening to a very, very unusual special episode of Truth Culture Life. 
I'm going to bring in some clips of um, Father Orsi as well as a special guest from EWTN News who is who I met out here a week or so ago. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. Please follow me on YouTube, YouTube forward slash at Royce Hood. Again, that's YouTube forward slash Royce Hood. Just look for me, follow, subscribe to that channel. I'll be releasing some, some footage on there when the sisters give me permission to do so. Also look for me on Facebook. Look for Royce Hood on there and follow our podcast, Truth Culture Life POD at Facebook. Thank you again for listening to Truth Culture Life. I'm back. Hi, this is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN's Take Two and The Spirit World. I had so much fun the last time I was with all of you that I'll be returning for Catholic Spirit Radio's live on-air fall appeal. You gotta join us on October 25th and 26th. We have lots to celebrate, like one million potential listeners. I'll be interviewing priests and people throughout your huge listening audience, and we'll talk about Fulton Sheen and his millions of listeners. Plus, there will be giveaways and gifts and so much more, plus our matching donors, too. Lots of good things are happening every day on Catholic Spirit Radio, so please join us to support this fantastic radio station. With your donations, we can continue to inspire and save souls. As my friends Terry and Jesse say, full sheen ahead. Tune in on October 25th and 26th. See you real soon. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. There's a new app! So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free! New app, same quality programs. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Now I want to introduce Kelsey Wicks with EWTN News. Kelsey, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And yeah, look, you and I really don't go very far back at all. Like we literally just have known each other for about a week, I guess. We met last week in Gower, Missouri, of all places. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And uh, so, okay. And Gower, Missouri, people listening may very well be aware of what Gower, Missouri is all about, but we met at a little abbey. And let's just, let me just ask this question to you. What brought you to Gower, Missouri? 
Well, I've been receiving um, text messages for the past couple of days uh, from numerous sources saying there's this miracle in Missouri. You need to check it out. Can can EWTN News do a story? We think it might have worldwide implications. And so I hopped a plane on Saturday to uh, Missouri and rented a car, drove up to the Abbey of, of Ephesus and uh, visited the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, to see precisely what was happening. And what we found there was pretty amazing. I, I don't know if you've introduced people yet to what happened, but the, the um, remains of uh, a sister dead for four years, 95 years when she died, Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, were found apparently incorrupt. Yeah. No, um, our listeners on Truth Culture Life have not been formally introduced to this story yet, aside, apart from social media. And if you're listening, that is absolutely right. And that is the same reason why I drove to Gower with my wife and six children, which was a very interesting pilgrimage with the six kids in the car. But yeah, Sister Wilhelmina died four years ago and the sisters discovered that her body, I mean, she just looks like she's sleeping. It's, it's one of the most remarkable things I have ever experienced uh, in my life to be that close, to actually be able to venerate her, to be able to touch her, touch her body. I mean, it's right there. Kelsey, what was your reaction? I mean, hearing the story, seeing the social media posts, and then actually coming out and witnessing it with your own two eyes. I mean, what were you thinking coming in, and then did that change once you got here? I I mean, I I was reserving judgment, as all journalists do, (laughs) before coming in. And and just, you know, I I do think that there's a, a caution that the church has which is beautiful about, um, you know, the promotion of certain devotions. And so we, we let that process play out. But I love that there's also this beautiful moment where the faithful can anticipate um, what may be uh, something of, of the miraculous and what may be something of a sign of God's providence in the world. And so I came just to see what was happening. And as I walked into the chapel and saw her body there, you know, and, and the flowers next to her body, decaying. Uh, the, the faithful had brought them without water, one day old, two days old. They were starting to to fade. And here's her body, you know, preserved in this in this really phenomenal state of undecay. And so, you know, there was no, no smell. Um, you know, I was reminded of that Bible verse um, when uh, Jesus tells them to roll away the stone and Martha says, you know, Lord, by now, he'll stinketh, you know, and, um, and there was no smell of, of decay. There was no, um, no sense of, of the fact that she'd been four years buried without embalming in the ground. I mean, truly remarkable. You could even see the, the brand name of the socks that she was wearing and they were in such pristine condition. Yeah. I have been speaking with people and I think that's great. I mean, obviously, you know, all of us, we have to approach things like this, sort of like, okay, what is it What is it that we're about to experience? What are we about to see? Talking to some of the people out here on site, it's really interesting, just the background. I mean, there are people that are coming that aren't necessarily even practicing Catholics. I'd say a majority of the people here are faithful and are practicing, but I've talked to a few that aren't, and it's interesting. They're like, yeah, we just wanted to see what this is all about. And in the little town of Gower, they're not used to having this sort of um, volume of traffic. And so there's like billboards and signs saying like, hey, we, we have to manage, you know, manage the crowds accordingly. And a lot of these people are coming. They may not come back. And some of the um, people and I were laughing we're like, yeah, actually, you don't know Catholics very well. People are going to probably start buying property around town <laughs> just to be just to be close <laughs> to this. But, you know, uh, Royce, Royce, I, I have to interject here. Yeah, go I ahead. have a friend in, in St. Joseph, Missouri, 10 minutes away who I stayed with him and his wife. And I was. 
I was speaking to him and he's a, he's a bit of a skeptic, not a Catholic. And he said, you know, I, I would believe that New York, um, somebody in New York or Las Vegas would have the ability to, to fake people out and to really contrive a controversy, but Gower, Gower, Missouri, like there's no guile in these people, you know I mean? <laughs> and, and I think that was my experience with the sisters too, you know, the, the abbess describing her, her, her excitement, you know, when she said, I saw a foot. Oh my gosh, I saw a foot intact. And then, you know, the sisters, she yelled it to the sisters and the sisters started cheering. It's, it's this beautiful moment of, of religious life where, um, you know, the, the Catholics who have a tradition of, of incorrupt bodies, you know, and I run a series of international news agencies and uh, it was number, this story was number one throughout all of the news agencies in the U.S. and, and internationally, except for in Italy, where it was number two. And I said, that's got to be because they have an incorrupt body at every other church in Italy, you know, Padre Pio, Carlos. You, you go to the next church down and there's somebody whose, you know, hand is preserved or, um, or full body. So it, it, it's really interesting that it's happening in Gower, Missouri. Um, I think there's something really remarkable and, and a humble and um, a beautiful, beautiful testament to, to, to the fact that God can do anything anywhere. Amen to that. You know, that's so beautiful to hear that. And, and you're right. I've been blessed to, um, to see and to visit other incorruptibles and, you know, people that have actually been declared saints. And Sister Wilmina has not been declared a saint yet. My understanding is that five years after she's gone is when that cause for sainthood can officially be opened. Whether or not the, um, that happens, we'll, we'll find out. Um, because that's a formal process. But what, what we're witnessing right now is, in my opinion, just this glimmer of light in the darkness. Like there's so much negative, divisive, really just frankly disgusting news in the world, right? I mean, you deal with that every day and you're in the line of work that you're involved with. And all of a sudden, get this little old nun who was 70 years old when she started this order who is like, wow, like God's giving us this grace. And I can't wait to hear Father's feedback on that. And we're going to ask him some theological questions in a few minutes when we bring him back in about, about you know, incorruptibles and what that means. But Kelsey, um, what, what else are you hearing? I mean, do you think this story is going to be like so much else in the news cycle where it fades away? Or is this, is this story going to keep going? Oh, I think this story is going to keep going, Royce. You know, it, at the end of the day, it, um, it being a, a, a groundbreaking story, Newsweek, New York Post, Fox, picking, picking this story up. Everybody is interested in the question. Um, everybody is interested in, in what's happening with, um, with, with the world, with God, with God intervening in the world. It's causing even people who aren't Catholic to ask questions. And it's causing people who have, you know, the seed of faith to make journeys. I know of one young mother um, who has three children and uh, terminal cancer. And she visited the monastery in hopes of that miracle that could be possibly um, used in, in Sister Wilhelmina's canonization. So I think what we're going to see is is um, a continued um, breath of stories. And of course, you know, people are always interested in good news at the end of the day for longer periods of time than they are in, in the bad and the sort of cycle that washes over you and, and depresses you. Um, and that's what everyone who I interviewed on the scene, including yourself, said, you know, this is evidence of, of God's action in the world. This is testimony to the, um, the future resurrection. And it's giving them hope and it's giving them breath. And it's causing now thousands of people to descend upon this monastery and, um, and just give thanks to God. Amen. Amen. So beautifully said. Um, I mean, absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. And, and I will say, 
the more I dig, the more I am able to discover about Sister Wilhelmina's life and her legacy. Um, I mean, this this woman grew up, you know, during segregation. She has ancestors that were slaves. She was an ardent supporter of um, of just her community and her, and her faith and her family. And then, but of priests in particular. And I think it's really cool mm-hmm. that um, at this abbey, uh, the sisters here devote so much time, so much of their time to uh, praying for priests and praying for the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, when you were out here, um, were you you were able to talk to some of the sisters? I was, yes. And um, I mean, what did, did you any did, did they strike you any differently than I mean, in your line of work, I'm sure you've met sisters from all sorts of different religious orders. Was there anything unique or special about this group of women? Um, that set them apart from the others the others that you've encountered? Well, I, I spent nine years in a convent discerning with the National Dominican. So, oh, I did not um, know that. I wow, would, wow. I, I, I would say that um, they're a beautiful representation of religious life. And I think that's the perhaps the true story behind here, right? Sister Wilhelmina founded an order that she thought would be um, highly observant, right? So what are the hallmarks of religious observance? Faithfulness to prayer, faithfulness to silence, observance of the enclosure, um, the wearing of the religious habit, right? Her habit is is miraculously preserved, not just her body. What is that a testament to? It's a testament to the fact that she was a faithful bride of Christ. I mean, it's a testament to the beauty of religious life. And her story is so fascinating. At, at age nine, at her first Holy Communion, Amen. Jesus, uh, Jesus appeared to her, she says in her biography, and actually invited her to be his. And at age 13, she wrote a letter to the Oblique Sisters of Providence saying, would, you know, I'm just about to graduate uh, gra- um, grade school. <laughs> what do I need to bring to come and enter the convent now? <laughs> and so the, the mother superior said, wait, let's wait for a little bit. She graduated valedictorian at age 17, entered the convent, and lived 75 years under religious vows. Royce, that is miraculous. That is miraculous. She, she lived faithfully the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience for 75 years. And the reason she took that leap at age 70 to found this Benedictine monastery, which is full of vocations, youthful, faithful, young women discerning the Lord's call, lifting up the world in prayer, praying for priests. The reason she took that leap was she wanted that greater faithfulness in religious life. Her community had turned away from the habit. She made a proposal in the last general chapter she was a part of, asking for a return to the habit religious observance, poverty, permissions, silence, everything that religious observance is known for. I mean, what a beautiful testimony that that sign of religious life was also preserved and um, and that this community exists. You know, I thought one of the most crazy things about the trip was, you know, the sisters are just carrying on with the orium, the, the schedule of prayer, moment after moment as all these people are shuffling in and out of the chapel. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, a beautiful look at, at, um, the legacy that she gave the community she founded. Uh, that was such a great, a great explanation and, you know, learning. I mean, those are some things that I do not, did not know about her. The fact that she was a young girl when she started discerning this and deciding like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I can tell you this, Kelsey, from the time that you and I met, when we met, there was, I don't know, 30, 40 people here. Maybe, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. there are people probably, I'm sure a hundred came in and went, there was literally a line out the gate. There are porta potties set up now that somebody from the community brought in. There are 
uh, parking volunteers. There are people bringing water. There are people bringing fruit. There are chairs everywhere. There are, you should see it. It's unbelievable. And just right now, I'm set up on a table outside of the Abbey and I'm watching this line of cars trickle in and I'm watching people in wheelchairs, people in walkers. I'm watching young kids with smiles on their face running and jumping and having fun. And like, they don't even know what they're here for. I'm sure some of these kids, but the, the like, I wish you could see it. Like you almost need to just come on a plane and get back here. Any chance you can do that? <laughs> Memorial Day weekend just probably wouldn't be the same. That's for sure. I mean, it is, it's, it's a beautiful thing when good news travels fast and I'm sure it's exciting to witness all of that. Well, this is great. Kelsey Wick, I hope we can um, talk to you again about this and about this story. Cause as it's, I mean, developing, obviously there's a lot of things I think that are going to come from this. So I hope we can have you back on this program and uh, keep working together on Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah, such a great, great honor to have you on Truth Culture Live. We really appreciate your time. You're listening to a recap of some of my favorite episodes. I'm also going to play um, a song that I've been working on. It's called Frogs in a Pot. This is a scratch track, a production mix. In other words, it has not been mastered. But I'm curious, what do you think? Let me know. Be sure to let me know at Royce at lawlife.org. You're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm gonna be sad Watching my friends As they sit in a pot of water It heats up, oh, oh Feeling warmer Oh no, it boils over How did we become Like frogs in a pot of water Oh, oh. 
Frogs in a Pot, a new song that I'm working on. I hope to be able to finish that later this uh, fall or early winter. Tons to do on it. We need to kind of edit the vocals a bit, add some keyboard and some other things as well. But let me know what you think. And can anybody tell me what that song is about? Now, obviously, you can listen to the words, Frogs in a Pot, right? But what is that song based on? There's some historical reference to it. Email me the answer at Royce at lawlife.com. Org. That's Royce at lawlife.org. All right, we're going to go to a commercial break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I'll be back with, um, I think, the Father Martin's interview on the other side of this break. So stick around. I'm back. Hi, this is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN's Take Two and the Spirit World. I had so much fun the last time I was with all of you that I'll be returning for Catholic Spirit Radio's live on-air fall appeal. You gotta join us on October 25th and 26th. We have lots to celebrate, like one million potential listeners. I'll be interviewing priests and people throughout your huge listening audience, and we'll talk about Fulton Sheen and his millions of listeners. Plus, there will be giveaways and gifts and so much more, plus our matching donors, too. Lots of good things are happening every day on Catholic Spirit Radio, so please join us to support this fantastic radio station. With your donations, we can continue to inspire and save souls. As my friends Terry and Jesse say, full sheen ahead. Tune in on October 25th and 26th. See you real soon. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. There's a new app! So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free! New app, same quality programs. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773 541 
4159. What Hollywood portrayed in the movie The Exorcist, with levitations, vomiting, spitting at the priest with an uncanny marksmanship, all of that has not been a movie for me. I have seen that firsthand. My name is Father Carlos Martins. I'm a priest of the Catholic Church. I was an atheist until, as a young adult, the Lord brought me out of darkness. And since then, I've been living in his love. But I've also seen things, very evil things, things that I wish weren't true. The job of the exorcist, properly speaking, is not to cast out the devil. The job of the exorcist is to find out why is the devil there? What rights has the demon gained? What doorway has he entered through? This is the first time I've opened my files about these battles to the public. Thank you for listening to Truth, Culture, Life. We want to give a special shout out to Catholic Spirit Radio for uh, broadcasting this program. Um, what you just heard was the official trailer for The Exorcist Files, which is uh, you can find that video and you can find more links to uh, Father Martin's podcast as well as uh, to some of his, uh, his media appearances at exorcistfiles.tv. Here's the rest of our interview. Welcome back. I am Royce Hood, and you're listening to a very special episode of Truth, Culture, Life. We are joined today by, um, by a priest, Father Carlos Martins, who is the host of The Exorcist Files, which is, again, just an extraordinary listening experience. Um, and we were just talking about, we talked about his background, his conversion from atheist to priest to exorcist. And I love how, um, how uh, Ryan refers to you as, is it the uh, de uh, demonic disciplinarian or demon disciplinarian? It's sort of funny, but it's, it's a great title. Um, and, and then Father went into and ta talked to us a little bit about the production quality and why this was produced. It's very intentional. You can hear it. It's not like this show. The show, I, I, I'm sort of flying, you know, shooting in the dark here. It's very intentional. When you listen to Exorcist Files, the production quality, the script, it's so well done. Father, and, and the words that come to mind as you're describing it is outwardly versus inwardly. Outwardly versus inwardly. And I think, I, I think I'm going to publish a monologue on this later this week. And it's, the idea is this. So much of the time, Catholics are, we're speaking inwardly. We're sort of preaching to the choir. And what I recognize with the exorcist files is you're, you're doing that, but you're, you've got this outwardly projection where you're, you're speaking to the world. And it, it reminds me, the image that comes to mind is like this candle that's lit up walking into the darkness and you're illuminating the things around you with, with the messages. And what you were saying before is, you know, look, if we had started this off just as a lecture, as a prayer or whatever, there are people that would not hear it. And I would love to see uh, uh, the result. And I don't know if there's a way that your team can figure out how to, how to survey your listeners, but it would be really cool to send out a survey to your listeners. Hey, what? What you know? What is your faith affiliation, if any? Has, and then, in three months later, ask them to participate again. Has that changed at all? Because I, I would bet you're going to see some conversions, or uh, for sure. I, I just think you are. In my own life, I consider myself a decent Catholic. As Tom Monahan, founder of Domino's Pizza, says, "I, you know, are you a good Catholic?" And he says, "No, but I'm trying to be." That's where I'm at. I'm trying to be a good Catholic. Since listening to the Exorcist Files, I've been thinking a lot about quote unquote doorways and some of the, um, the thing that my own sins and, and the issues that I have 
and how those doorways could impact my home and my family. And those are things I never, I, I didn't think about it in that context before. So even inwardly, I feel like you're going to see um, more, you know, that, that the process of conversion is lifelong. Um, and so I want to talk about doorways a little bit. We had, we had a lot of great responses to a Facebook um, post. What questions do we have? And talk to us about doorways. What is a, what is a doorway? What is that in the context of the exorcist files? Right. So, you know, demons live in wounds. They are attracted to wounds. And in order for them to be able to cling to us, they need to be let in. In other words, a door, an action has to be done that that action is the doorway by which they enter into our lives. Uh, so, so demons uh, do not need a doorway to perform what the church calls the ordinary demonic activity, which is temptation. And even our Lord was subject to temptation. No human being is not subject to temptation. Uh, and so that, um, that, that's their ordinary activity. And to be honest, that, that is the most deadly because it's only through sin, mortal sin, what Catholics call mortal sin, a sin so grave that it evicts the Holy Spirit from inside us. It evicts sacramental grace from being present within us. So any of the violation of the Ten Commandments, for example, in, uh, in, you know, in a serious manner. So one of the commandments is thou shall not lie. Uh, if, 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 if you tell what, what people call a little white lie, your, your wife asks you, does this dress make me look fat? And, and inside your mind, you're thinking, oh, heavens, yes. <laughs> but you say, no, I, it's a white lie. It, it, it's, that doesn't destroy grace. All, all lying is, is sinful. It, it just, it damages our relationship with God, but only mortal sin destroys that sacramental life-giving connection that we have with God. And so when, when that occurs, we revert to being the, pro the property and possession of the devil. We belong to him. If you die in the state of mortal sin, you will never see the inside of heaven. That, that's what mortal sin is. It makes your soul mortal subject to death, right? only sacramental grace, which is the very life of God. It's another way of saying God's life that he has imparted to us uh, through, the, through the sacraments, through our, initially through our baptism, which, and, and that's why I use the word we revert to the devil, because that when we were conceived inside the womb of our mother, all of us, because of original sin, the devil is to whom we belonged, not God and absolutely not our parents. And th this is why we baptize, to get rid of that, that inheritance of death. Uh, and that's what original sin is. It's, it's an original separation from God uh, that is permanent unless there is that intervention by God. And we accept that intervention. That intervention is called baptism. Let me ask you this, Father. We had a lot of questions about familial possession. And, and a few about children in particular. And one of the episodes of The Exorcist Files, which our listeners can hear at exorcistfiles.tv, um, there was, I think, the, uh, the, I forget his name, the, the bodybuilder. He was like eight years old where he participated in an Ouija board. Right. He, Jeremy. Jeremy. he had no, okay, he had no idea what the Ouija board was, but he thought it looked cool. Next right. thing you know, he actually sees, uh, sees a demon basically and converses with it and what, 15 years later, he's this massive man and 
Um, what age? Father, is it? I mean, um, there there is no there is no set age. That the devil is is prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Right. This is what Saint Peter tells us in his epistle. Um, he's rowling. He, he is prowling like a roaring lion. And yeah, in the case of that, in that episode, Jeremy, who was who was seven, eight years old, uh, is is invited to participate by his brothers in a Ouija board. And guess what? A demon was summoned. They didn't intend to, but that's in fact what it is. Well, always when when you open those kinds of portals, and then the demon formed a relationship with him. Now, some people can say, you know, some people will retort. They're scandalized by this. Like, well, I don't believe that that thing is possible. Yeah, I mean, whether or not you believe it is is irrelevant to the facts. Uh, the fact is, you know, that seven or eight year old, uh, somebody could knock on his front door and he opens the door without looking at it. And, and you know what? Guess what? On the other side of that door could be a guy with a knife. And now that that's Jeremy's last day on this earth. Uh, now, he didn't intend to be killed. He didn't intend to open the door to somebody, but he did. And so he's subject to the consequences of that. In the spiritual realm, it's no different. That that the spiritual realm has both grace and has evil in it. And and both of those, those elements are genuine. And both of those elements are, are trying to seek you out. And, and if you hit the wrong one of the two, then that, that element has a relationship with you. And there are consequences to that relationship. No, that's that's amazing to think about. And uh, again, that that episode was it was just mind boggling how um, Jeremy would lose complete control. He would lose, um, you know, awareness of his situation and become violent. And, you know, the the things I and, and I just remember, you know, hearing that the part where he, he realized consciously that he needed to go to confession. He went and the demon did everything it could to prevent him from giving his confession. Right. What? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, well, yeah. with him, with him, you know, so so a demon is not ever satisfied forming a relationship and kind of staying there. What the demon wants is to increase that relationship steadily. And so over the years, as as he got older, Jeremy noticed, I am losing more and more freedom that things that I ought to be free to do that others do. I don't have the freedom to do. So the demon is never happy coming in and staying on kind of like floor number six, right? He is always trying to usurp and take over the entire building. And so Jeremy at a certain point realized this so that the, 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 the deal or the pact that, that the demon made was obviously he wanted, uh, he offered Jeremy, uh, he, he offered Jeremy powerful strength. He, he assured him that I will make you strong if if you have uh, if you if you let me in. And Jeremy had no idea what being let in meant. And, um, and, and in fact, it used a word that was unknown to him. If you give me X and he couldn't even remember what that word was. It was a, a nonsensical sounding word. If you give me that, then I will make you really strong. And Jeremy said, yeah. And, and at that moment, there's a relationship. That's the opening of the door. So it's not a physical door, but it is a spiritual door. And guess what? Now we've got a covenant. And that covenant exists un until Jeremy himself breaks it. And me as an exorcist, any exorcist, the church itself, we have no power to end that relationship. Why? Well, because people have a right to belong to the devil if that's what they want.
so so the job of the exorcist isn't to cast out the devil it, it's not to come in and overpower the devil with grace and with the prayers of the church with a ritual a rite that the church uh, gives him the job of the exorcist is to find out why is the devil there and to aid the victim in ending that relationship mm. right that's the job of the exorcist so it's not it, it is a combat but it's not a combat the way most people think uh, an exorcist isn't coming in and and you know using some prayers that in effect are magic and they magically get away get get rid of the devil uh, there, there could be nothing nothing further from the truth the the relationship that is keeping the devil there that has to be ended and a different relationship one that is godly one that connects the victim to god that has to be established uh, such that there, there's no neutrality right there's no such thing as being demon free and being unconnected to god mm -hmm. uh, that that just that there's that kind of neutral state doesn't exist. You've got to replace one relationship with another. And if you do that, then the devil has to leave because he loses his rights. And, and, and as a lawyer, Rice, you know that, that, that in a contract, um, rights mean that one of the two parties really has an authority to assert a condition. That, that that party is entitled to that condition and the other party or parties have a duty to observe that condition. And so, you know, a, an exorcist is nothing more, you could say, than, than God's lawyer. Yeah. That, he, that he's coming in to, to establish, to, to alter conditions that are innately unjust, but, but he must have the victim's cooperation. If, if he doesn't, then his work is futile. Now, it is the case in the in, in possession that a lot of times the victims are not able to cooperate. That that the victims, you know, in the state of possession, they're not even aware of what's happening around them. Their their consciousness is 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 rendered unconscious, so that they are not uh, cognitively aware of what is happening around them. What what their body is being used for in the state of possession. Nevertheless, so I come in, any exorcist comes in and begins praying, begins weakening that hold of the devil. But at a certain point, we need to connect with the victim and get the victim to, to, to renounce that relationship with the devil and to commit to one with God. If the victim refuses to do that, there is nothing we can do. What? So, okay, and I'm thinking about that, you know, the, the fact that there are probably people right now who are, I mean, they just have no control, um, right? They have, they, they, they've got such a deep relationship with the occult or with demonic activity that they've got practically no or zero relationship with God. Right. Some of the criticism I've seen over the years is, well, Royce, not everybody has the same beliefs as you. Not everybody thinks the same way. I, I start thinking to myself, well, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, people are entitled. God gave us all free will. People are entitled to think whatever they want, but truth sure. is uh, it's divine. I mean, how do you how do you address that um, with non-believers? Um, I don't know. It's it's one of these abstract questions where I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Like, how how do we present these arguments, or or do we at all? Well, look, I I think um, the way I chose to present 
this topic in the podcast, in the Exorcist Files podcast, is to present a case, a situation from the start. So there's a reenactment with professional actors of a real situation where the devil became involved in people's lives. And I, I do it in this manner because I am taking advantage of one thing, that the way God created us, we understand innately, whether we are Christian or whether we are not, every person, every culture, every human being has a primordial fear of the devil. And that primordial fear surpasses the fear of any other concept, of any other figure, if you will. That, you know, when Hollywood wants to terrify, not just scare, but terrify, it produces a movie about the devil. Uh, it produces a possession movie. So, you know, uh, that is way more scary, way more effective at frightening people than, say, a movie about an alien or aliens or vampires, werewolves, um, you know, a, a human enemy, an invading army, that kind of thing. When, when Hollywood wants to terrify, it produces a movie about the devil. And during that movie in a theater, you never find anybody laughing. You find people who are who are riveted by the concept because it's touching something inside them even I, I remember having recently a conversation with an agnostic so somebody who uh, doesn't believe in god but thinks you know there might be a god there may not be a god and so he has listened to every episode multiple times and i i asked him you know why do you do so uh, and he said well i find it i find it realistic and I said, wait a second, explain that to me. What do you mean by realistic? And what he described is, look, I, I am confronted internally that if this is true, and he said, frankly, the way you present it, I find it very believable that I am, that, that this priest in these interactions with the devil is dealing with something that is ancient and predates all of us that something was here from the beginning of the creation of the physical universe, and that is very aware of everyone and everything happening within it. And that concept is a terrifying concept. Uh, and so it's speaking to him in terms of the, the, that element that we talk about. You're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I plan to do a highlight reel of a few different episodes that I like, so this is going to be part one of two. I'll be bringing you a second highlight reel next week with some more of Father Orsi and some of our good times, some of the funniest episodes that we've had, and with Sierra Heidkamp as well. So stay tuned for that. That should be next week. Um, and then in about two or three weeks from now, we'll be premiering season two of Truth Culture Life. So stay tuned. Lots of great things coming up, and I'm, I'm super excited to be sharing that show with all of my listeners and all of our listeners. So um, you can hear all of our episodes at um, Catholic Spirit Radio. Download the app. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Be sure to check me out at YouTube as well. YouTube.com forward slash at Royce Hood. I'm going to leave you with 
One more song. Um, this is called uh, Keep On Singing. Uh, actually, it's just a clip from it, but uh, we'll bring you the whole thing next week. Thanks again for listening. I'm Roy Sood at Truth Culture Life for Catholic Spirit. And And be strong Have faith above all else Keep working on that song Don't let them hold you down If your dreams dream for God Keep on dreaming If your songs sing for God Keep on singing Use your talents for good Keep on singing If I could yeah. We only, we only, we only live for the Lord We only, we only, we only live for the Lord We only, we only, we only live for the Lord We only, we We only kneel for the Lord.